Hey, Real Talkers, David Parker wants to take back Alberta. From whom, you ask? Well, we wondered the same thing. His group, Take Back Alberta, has taken control of the United Conservative Party board and claims to influence Premier Danielle Smith. Parker's critics say he's a religious extremist, a misogynist, and worse. So we ask him about all of it on this episode of Real Talk. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this August 21st, we welcome you to Real Talk. Thanks for joining us. Ryan Jesperson here with the show's technical producer, John Hicks. Uh, in just a second, uh, the culmination of uh, months of correspondence. We'll welcome the founder of Take Back Alberta, David Parker, to the show. We know that there's going to be a lot of eyes and ears on this interview. You've probably, if you pay attention to Alberta politics anyway, heard a lot about Take Back Alberta. You you may have heard a lot about David Parker, but how much do you actually know about him, his motivation, the group? Uh, we've got a, questions, obviously, that we have for Mr. Parker, for his vision of Alberta, for his claim that the group influences Alberta's current premier, Danielle Smith, and I suspect that we'll have some comments pop up in our live chat on YouTube as well. That's where you can find us. Now, it goes without saying right now, everybody's also paying attention to Kelowna, BC. Everybody's paying attention to the Northwest Territories as well, uh, Yellowknife and area. Thousands and thousands of our fellow Canadians are evacuated right now. The damage due to wildfire in Kelowna alone is unimaginable. We'll be paying attention to this this week. We'll be following those stories. And of course, we'll be uh, telling the stories of those connected to this show, audience members who have been personally impacted by those fires as well. You can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We're trying to wrap our minds around the scale of what's happened out in BC in this area. The provincial government out there over the weekend uh, asking Canadians to limit any unnecessary travel to the area and, and essentially cracking down on any hotel or accommodation bookings for any non-essential travel for obvious reasons. This is a story that will follow through the course of this week and a story that we know that tragically, unfortunately, will be around for a while. But today we're talking politics. That in just a second. First, this episode is presented by We Know Training. You can find them online at weknowtraining.ca. You know, it's not news to anybody that the cost of living is out of control right now. We talked about that last week at length and hand in hand with that. I don't have have to tell a lot of you entrepreneurs that the cost of doing business is going up as well. If you need to boost your revenue, one of the best things you can do is to create a standout training program. We know training is your absolute best partner for creating courses and programs that sell. They've helped associations, regulators, nonprofits, and more generate millions in revenue without any extra work for their teams in creating, managing, and selling those training courses. If you want to learn more, you can check out weknowtraining.ca today and see what they can do for your business. 
Take Back Alberta was formed last year by David Parker. Since then, the group has essentially taken over the United Conservative Party's board, along with numerous constituency associations across the province. They take credit for ousting former Premier Jason Kenney and claim to influence Alberta's current Premier, Danielle Smith. Take Back Alberta founder David Parker joins us live this morning. David, welcome to the show. Uh, two weeks before Alberta's provincial election in May, the Canadian press described you as a shadowy figure hiding in plain sight. Would you say that that's accurate? Well, I, I don't really tend to hide very much. I, I've done a lot of media interviews. I have a podcast where you can listen to me for hundreds of hours. Uh, two podcasts, actually, really true fiction and the Canadian story, although both are on hold right now as so I'm uh, finalizing the pieces of putting this organization together but uh shadowy i wouldn't really call myself i definitely uh see myself as someone who is out putting a message very publicly into the public square my meetings are pretty open you just have to register in order to go to them so uh while i do think that uh the media likes to paint people with a certain brush i would say that i'm pretty open about the stances that I've taken and the mission of Take Back Alberta. How, how would you describe how the media is painting you? Oh, I mean, they, they need a boogeyman. They need someone to tie to Danielle Smith to claim that she's being influenced by far-right extremists. And anyone who's, you know, right of center at this point is a far-right extremist. I mean, they're saying that being opposed to pedophilia is now far-right extremism. And I think uh, we're seeing that all over the place where... Uh, the, the sides keep diverging. We're seeing a huge polarization of our politics. And I actually believe that the reason for that is because hardly anyone's participating in our politics. And that's why I started Take Back Alberta. What do you mean opposed to pedophilia? Do you see people supporting pedophilia somewhere that's prompted you to speak out? Well, uh, there's a movement towards calling them minor attracted persons. And this movement is growing around the world. It's happening in Europe. It's happening in America, and I just think it's completely unacceptable that anyone would be treating a child as a sexual object. So I'm obviously very opposed to that. I do not think children are sexual beings. I believe that they are children and they should be treated like children. And we should uh, understand that they don't have the mental capacity to really deal with the complexity of these kind of sexual problems and we need to protect them from that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't say we talk politics every single day on this show. I can't say that, I, that I've ever interviewed or spoken with anybody that would disagree uh, with the assertion that children aren't sexual objects. I mean, are you saying that you see that in, in the orbit of Alberta politics? I wouldn't say necessarily in Alberta politics, although I think the sexualization of our children is a, a real problem that needs to be addressed. Um, I agree. I don't think most people at this point would admit to that being something that they were uh, interested in, even if they were interested in it. But we know that it is a huge problem. We've seen uh, movies like The Sound of Freedom. Human trafficking used to be something that progressives on the left were very concerned about. Now, all over the media, we're seeing, you just go and Google it. Uh, a movie comes out, a very, you know, good movie, clean movie uh, comes out addressing human trafficking and it's called right-wing extremism right so that's just the nature of the world we live in right now the left is slowly crumbling they don't have a coherent philosophy so as they crumble there's going to be you know their death spiral and they're going to lash out at people and claim that people are extremists that's fine 
you spoke a while ago. I want to play a clip of you in your own words. Like you said, there's video of you everywhere at a rally. It was described as an anti-LGBTQ rally, certainly a rally against pride anyway. Um, here you are in your own words, and we'll talk about it. If you want them to leave your kids alone, you have to be the ones making the decision about how that happens. And I tell you that Take Back Alberta is about one thing. It is not about your religion. It is not about your creed. It is not about your skin color. It is about this. It is about you taking back your democracy from your own apathy. That is what this is founded on. That is what you must do. Because they will not leave your kids alone. They will not leave your children alone unless you get engaged. Unless you become the people that is changing things. So I say this to, to, to end. I don't want to speak too long, but I will say this. Leave our kids alone. Who's they? Oh, this is a, a really good question and something that I address in most of my meetings. They are a, an ideology that has been developing over the last 20 to 30 years. Uh, it's basically communism. It's all about, you know, taking from those who have and giving to those who don't. It's about creating a grievance class of individuals who are obsessed with their own victimization as opposed to what used to be very common in Western civilization, which was focusing on merit and focusing on what you had developed as your own personal character, your own skills, your own mastery over things. We're moving away from that towards a more communist or maybe socialistic vision of the world in which those who have are privileged and those who do not have are victimized or oppressed. And they created what's called intersectionality. I'm sure you know all about it, but it is a, basically a North American version of a Maoist cultural revolution that we're facing. And is this something that you believe that the current conservative Alberta government is complicit in? I would say that uh, it has been in the past. And I think that uh, what we've seen is a lot of regulatory capture and uh, a centralization of power all across the Western world. And that has to be addressed. Ultimately, my biggest concern is that the centralization, the centralization of power increases the likelihood of totalitarianism. And whether you agree with me or you agree with uh, a far left person, we don't want our governments having more power because whoever gets in will then try to enforce their personal ideology. And so my encouragement, as you saw from that clip, is that if people don't like what's going on in their society, we actually have a tool. It's called democracy. And if you partake in that democracy, if you start to show up, you might actually find that not very many people are there at all, and you can have a larger impact than perhaps you might have thought. Uh, as, as that clip goes on, you talk about you know people participating on library boards. You talk about materials that are in libraries. How do you intend to influence education in Alberta? I personally think that our education system will be much better if we simply have more people involved in it. So that means we have a really terrible and apathetic population when it comes to our uh, education in this province. Barely anyone shows up for school board elections. We're not paying attention to who our trustees are, uh, even parent councils, which are voluntary, but people can show up and be involved in their children's education. Hardly anyone shows up for parents councils. So I believe, and I think that uh, most of the people in Take Back Alberta believe, that the more of us that show up and take part, volunteer, take on the responsibility of being a citizen, uh, the better things we'll get. And uh, I think everyone can agree that more people being involved 
in all elements of our society would be a better thing. That rally that you were speaking at was described as a, as an anti-LGBTQ rally, as an anti-Pride rally. How do you feel personally about Pride? Um, I don't have a problem with adults doing whatever adults want to do. Um, I obviously support Danielle Smith. She is very pro-LGBT rights. Um, what I would say, though, is I do not believe that our children should be taught about sex in elementary school. I do not believe that uh, it is a duty or the right or the role of a teacher, of a public school teacher, a private school teacher, any teacher, to teach children about sex. That is the role of parents. And I think parents are the primary uh, guardian of their children. They should be the guardian of their children, and they should be the guardian of what is going into those children's minds. So do you think that sex ed should be taken, should be removed from school curriculum? Definitely from elementary school, 100%. High school is different, but we should not be teaching children about sex in elementary school. What about things like, you know, practical applications, helping kids understand their body, helping kids understand boundaries, early stage understandings of consent? In other words, when your swimming teacher touches you here, it's inappropriate. I mean, do you support that in elementary school? Oh, yeah. If it was only technical, I would 100% support it, but that's not what's happening. What's happening is children are, are being... Uh, taught whatever the particular ideology of the teacher might be and there is curriculum being pushed more and more onto our children that is uh, ideological in nature it's it's not doing what you're describing i support what you're describing what i do not support is indoctrinating elementary school children into this uh, well frankly this sexual ideology that seems to be infiltrating a lot of our Uh, schools, and even, I would say, our society in general. I think you're guilty of something that a lot of politicians are guilty of, and that is that claiming that policy or government positions are influenced by all ideology when really everything that you're saying is is influenced by your ideology. Fair? You just obviously believe that your ideology is is more uh, appropriate uh, to build the future of Alberta around than someone else's. Would you agree? No, I just don't think that ideology has a role in our education system. I think that facts, like teaching people math, teaching people science, teaching people more importantly than all of that, the skills they need in life. So whether that, they're just basic things, that's what school's for. It's to help give our children the tools they need to live a you know happy, productive, fruitful life. I don't think ideology has a place in our education system. And uh, I, I'm entirely opposed to it. I heard that uh, the premier attended your wedding back in March. How would you describe your relationship with Danielle Smith? You say you're a supporter, but how would you describe the relationship? I would definitely call her a friend. Uh, She's been very busy lately. We haven't talked nearly as much as we did over the past couple of years. But what I would say is I have an immense amount of respect for her, a ton of respect. And that respect comes from what she's been able to accomplish. Not many people could have suffered the attacks and the uh, slander and the discrediting that the media did to her. And then all honestly, her own mistake of crossing the floor, I personally see it as a mistake. Uh, She went around and apologized for that. She rebuilt her reputation six years on radio. Uh, You know what that's like. I I have just people that are able to come back from something like that and to establish themselves and build back from arguably one of the worst uh, political failures in Alberta's history and then come back and be premier. It's an incredible story. And 
And I'm very proud to play a small role in it. Do you believe that you or Take Back Alberta as a group have influence over the decisions that the premier of this government make? I wouldn't say uh, influence in what way. I mean, we, we I obviously advocate very loudly and publicly for the policy positions that Take Back Alberta cares about. Um, and obviously, there's a large number of people in Take Back Alberta. So in that sense, absolutely. I think she's listening to that. I think if you look at the decisions that she's making, they are aligned with what the grassroots of this province want. But really, uh, Take Back Alberta is not a, a lobbying group or an advocacy group. We're an educational society that's teaching people how their democracy works. So we're not advocating for many uh, policy positions, right? The, the biggest policy position that we hold is that we got to get rid of these tabulators. And the reason for that is because a lot of people in this province do not trust uh, electronic voting. And I believe that the sacredness of our democracy and the trust that our people have in our democracy need to be taken seriously. And if that costs a little bit more money and takes a little bit more time to count, I think the importance of people trusting our democracy, we can see it south of the border. People have lost their faith in democracy in America. And they don't even believe that the elections are fair anymore. Do you but believe I think in Alberta? In, we should take that seriously. I mean, do you believe in the validity of the results of recent elections in Alberta or across Canada? Absolutely, I do. And, and I actually think that the Canadian electoral system is very uh, strong. Elections Canada is strong, and Elections Alberta has done a fairly good job, although they messed up on the tabulators, obviously, in the last election. But I don't whether I feel that way or not is kind of irrelevant. There's a lot of people, hundreds of thousands of people in this province who do not trust electronic voting machines. So why would we have them? Why don't we just not have them and people can trust the system and we'll do it like we've always done. We've never had a problem with it. Yeah, so, I'm not I'm not sure, David, that many people would believe you that that you see Take Back Alberta as nothing more than an educational society. Um, you, you have organized legally and democratically essentially a takeover of the United Conservative Party's board. Um, you've organized essentially a, a takeover of many constituency associations across the province. Uh, you've, you've fielded candidates that ran under the United Conservative Party banner, but people either perceived them or knew them to be affiliated with your group. Uh, back in June, after the recent uh, election, you attacked the United Conservative Party's board president, Cynthia Moore. You described her as a tyrant. Um, what's your plan there? Uh, well, the plan is very simple, uh, and you, anyone is welcome to come to my meetings and hear the plan. It's pretty simple, but it's basically this. Uh, people are concerned about where their society's at. They feel like uh, they feel like their institutions are broken, and my answer to those people is no, actually, your institutions are not broken. At very least, we still have democracy in this province, and if you want to see something done, about the issues you see in society, you need to have you need to start showing up. So the nine people that were elected to the UCP board last fall, uh, they all of them were endorsed by Take Back Alberta. But I don't call these people and tell them what to do. I, I'm not sitting there, you know, puppet mastering as people claim. In fact, you can ask any one of those board members. I don't call them and tell them what to do, but I did encourage them to run. I did support them in their run, and and now they're there. Similarly, there's going to be an annual general meeting this fall and Take Back Alberta will have another slate, although that's probably going to be in coordination with a lot of other grassroots organizations across this province. And, and the board will uh, represent the people who vote at the annual general meeting.
Can you see Take Back Alberta formulating slates for the next municipal election in the province? I don't know if we're going to be focused on municipal. Uh, we will definitely be focused on school boards, and it is our clear mission, and I say this in all of our meetings, to get as many people on school boards as possible in the next uh, municipal, which is elected at the same time as municipal. When, when we showed that post of yours uh, from, from back in June, you know a lot of people noticed when you changed your profile photo to Napoleon. Uh, <laughs> I noticed you've since changed it back. What message were you sending there, subtle or otherwise? Oh, I absolutely love that photo of Napoleon because he looks completely exhausted, like he's just, you know, put every ounce of effort that he has into something and, and he just is, like, dead. And uh, so, And I also think that Napoleon... Uh, understood organization better than almost any leader in human history. And I admire what he was able to do just on a very strategic and organizational level uh, with his troops. I mean, we still use a lot in, in modern warfare, the, the organizational structure that he created for armies are still used in many armies today. And so I, I, I see him as someone who revolutionized uh, warfare. I admire that. I want to revolutionize democracy in the sense of I think we can make Alberta the place where the most people participate in our democracy. And I'm not talking about just voting. I'm talking about I want more people running for school board. I want more people running for municipal politics. I would like a more open and fair uh, nomination process in the United Conservative Party, uh, in all parties for that matter. I mean, look what happened in British Columbia. That is an embarrassment to democracy. Right. Two people ran to be premier in their leadership race. The establishment of the NDP party there decided they didn't want the person who sold the most memberships. So they simply disqualified her and appointed David Eby as premier. That's anti-democratic. That's very NDP, though, very socialist. Uh, they think they know better than the people. They don't respect the people. So in my in my point of view, the more we decentralize power, the more power we take away from the center, and give it to the grassroots, the better off we'll be. You talk a lot about people taking initiative, people getting involved, but Eclipse been making the rounds uh, of you uh, describing essentially the mindset of women who would work outside the home. I want to ask you about it, but here it is. Their careers are more important. More important than the continuation of the human race. We are being taught an ideology of anti-humanism. This is not a war between conservatives and progressives. This is a war between the pro-humans and the anti-humans. So there's a guy with political influence basically telling women that he thinks that their role is inside the home. Am I getting it wrong? It sounds like you're spelling it out that way. No, I think uh, that's definitely got you got that wrong. Uh, for example, I supported Danielle Smith to be premier and she is a woman. My wife has a career. My mother has a career. I have no opposition to women having a career. However, elevating a career above having women or above having children is anti-human. Family is more important than a career. I believe that 100%. And I think we're teaching women to be miserable because I think our biological desire is to reproduce. We want to have children. We want to have family. Does that mean that women shouldn't have careers? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. And obviously fun for the media and for, you know, more left wing people to make a caricature of me. But there's no evidence that I don't want women to have careers. In fact, there's quite the opposite. I've worked for many strong women, including Ronna Ambrose, Shelley Glover, 
neither of which would claim that in any way do I attack the, the thought of them having a career. I do, though, 100% believe I'm with Elon Musk and many other people on this, that we need to have families and we need to have children. And this attack on the idea of having children is absolutely repulsive and anti. I don't understand, though, who's attacking that idea. Oh, it's 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 a more think of it like a worldview. It's this idea that having children is negative and you should put it off and it's a huge burden. And and why would you why would you sacrifice anything for that? I personally believe men should be sacrificing way more to make sure that we have children. We shouldn't put the burden of household tasks on just women. Like a big reason that women feel it's a a huge burden to have children is because men have abdicated their responsibilities in the home. They're just doing nothing They're, I mean, the state of manhood in this world is pathetic, to be honest. But I understand the the incentive structure is making it less likely for women to want to have children. But that is wrong. And all of the evidence points to having children being one of the central and key components of a happy and fulfilling life. So it makes absolutely no sense to me that we would be attacking that as an idea or discouraging it. Do you believe that the abortion debate should be reopened in Canada? I don't believe it will be. Um, no, do you think I it think should that be? We, we need a, some kind of law. We have no law at all in this country right now. We just left it to the courts. I don't believe that is right. But A, that's a federal issue, not a provincial issue. And B, it's not the issue that I'm of. I'm not, I'm not that concerned with it right now. It's not my thing that I'm pushing for. Democracy is what I care about. I am personally pro-life. Danielle Smith is personally pro-choice. Danielle Smith has been very clear that this will not be opened up in Alberta. And uh, I support Danielle Smith. Do you believe in the separation of church and state? I mean, like, do, do you think that religion should be taught in schools? Do you think that prayer should be brought back into schools? Where do you stand on that? Yes, 100%. That is one of my key uh, values, the separation of church and state. I think that, and that's actually why I'm so opposed to this uh, woke ideology that seems to be taking over everything because I see it as a religion and a religion that's being forced on people. Uh, we have, you know, true speech. We have, uh, one second, sorry. We have values that are just being like thrown out the window for no reason that we're not, we're not talking about why people aren't allowed to even contest the validity of certain things. Now that's a religion. That's a dogma. And that's what we're up against. That I do believe that uh, an anti-human religion of sorts is what we're facing right now. I'm curious to know when things went sour. Uh, my understanding is that you used to work for Jason Kenny, or you worked with Jason Kenny, or supported him in some volunteer capacity. Is that accurate? I was his uh, regional director for Central Alberta in his leadership campaign. Okay. So uh, I organized Central Alberta for him sold uh, thousands of memberships for his leadership. So when did things uh, the Wild Rose when did that. when did things go sour like when when Jason Kenny famously described lunatics his word uh within the United Conservative Party did you take that personally do you think he was talking about you and your group? Oh for sure he was uh, talking about me but you'll notice he never mentioned my name. And the reason he couldn't do that is cuz he personally in, has endorsement letters for me. Uh, when I applied to go to Oxford, he uh, he has said very nice things about me. I obviously helped get him elected. So saying my actual name would discredit his claim that we were lunatics unless he believes he was elected by lunatics and uh, supported by them. 
But he did that in order to, I mean, this is just political theater, right? His, it's his, his attempt to try to um, tarnish what is happening and make it seem like he's just a bunch of crazy people who don't like what he's doing. But to answer your question, when did uh, we part ways? It was when he started ordering the arresting of pastors for keeping churches open. I see that as a direct violation of the separation of church and state. And uh, that was the moment that I decided that something had to be done about it. So do you personally take credit for ousting Jason Kenney as premier? I would say there's a lot of people that were involved. Take Back Alberta is definitely the reason. But there were a lot of people in Take Back Alberta. And uh, there was a ton of effort and a lot of people across this province, including the 22 CAs that voted for the special general meeting to occur. I, I 100% played a role, and I'm proud of that role, and I believe democracy held him accountable, but I wouldn't say I am the reason. I'm part of the reason. Do you do you consider yourself to be a political leader of sorts? Like, Can you see Take Back Alberta becoming a political party? No, absolutely not. I, I, I'm actually, <laughs> the reason that I started Take Back Alberta is because I'm tired of conservatives starting new parties because they're angry at the old one. My... Now, my encouragement to people in my organization is, hey, look, there's a way that democracy works and starting a new party, at least in a first past the post West Westminster seat uh, system is not the way uh, new parties never win. If you want to have an influence on political outcomes, you need to get involved in the parties that already exist and push your desires through those and make your uh your policy positions that you want pushed forward known through that. You got to go through the, the existing structure because starting something, it's really hard to start a new political party uh, brand and just regular voters have never heard of you. And it's, it's just a very uh, inefficient way to use your time to influence public policy. Uh, we could talk about a million different things about the pandemic. I'd rather just talk about that period of time. Uh, and in particular, the Coots border blockade, the so-called Coots Four, uh, the men that are facing very serious charges uh, relating to that blockade in Southern Alberta. Do you still support the Coots Four? Well, uh, I definitely don't actually know what happened with those four people in Coots. I've heard a lot of stories, tons. People talk to me about it all the time. I do not believe that justice delayed is justice. I believe that they should have their court hearing. So the fact that they've been kept without bail for this amount of time when we have murderers, literally people in cold blood who've killed people in the streets that are out on bail, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Right, but these and, guys were planning, these guys were talking about murdering police officers, right? Do we agree on that? Allegedly. I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen any of the uh, any of the case, right? But what I would say is this. If they were talking about murdering police officers and that's proven in court, that is absolutely illegal and I do not support that kind of activity. Do I support the people who blocked the border in order to send a message that this kind of discrimination against the unvaccinated is not constitutional? Absolutely, something had to be done. Our government had gone way overboard and uh, and I think that a lot of people, at least in my movement particularly, see the truckers, whether they were in Ottawa or Coots, as heroes. Now, if people were plotting to kill people, that, that is illegal, that is criminal, and that is no, we should never allow that. Violence is not the answer. In fact, that's what Take Back Alberta is all about. There were a lot of people that were like, we got to do something. We, we Maybe we, we need to start militias and stuff. And I said, no, that is the wrong path. 
We have democracy. Let's use it. And that's what we did. Uh, over the past few days, I mean, I opened the show talking about the fires because everybody in Canada is is watching, I, I think, in horror uh, what's happening in Kelowna and uh, what's happening up in the Northwest Territories and elsewhere. Obviously, um, you've attacked people that are tweeting about the fires in Kelowna, calling them communists and mindless followers of the climate cult. What's the climate cult? OK, so a great example of the climate cult. And uh, I would love this is a perfect example is the belief that Canada, as a nation, can do anything about the impacts of climate change. We cannot. We are 1.4% of emissions. Even if we turned off every light and all our power generation and we froze in the dark, it would have zero impact on climate change. And yet, we have people saying, well, if we don't pay these uh, absurd taxes, then uh, we're going to be the ones causing the fires. That is not the case. And that is not a scientific case. That is... The case, that is the argument of a cult or an ideology. Uh, Canada cannot change what's happening with climate change. We have to learn to adapt because India and China are not reducing their emissions. They are increasing their emissions. And if uh, science is correct, if the science of climate change is correct, then the best thing that Alberta and Canada can do to reduce emissions is to get China, uh, Japan, India off coal and onto natural gas. That would reduce more than Alberta's total footprint if we were just to do that. Yeah, and David, we hear that all the time. And 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 typically it's 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 people arguing that Alberta, BC, and Canada should ramp up natural gas exports, uh, should should be able to uh, or endeavor to sell more uh, Canadian developed technology when it comes to emissions reduction. The fact of the matter is, you and I both know that Canada is uh, a top 10 global emitter you've got to start somewhere you mean you mean top 10 by per capita now here's where this gets interesting but david we're not we're not going to disagree about for example the oil sands emissions are we we're not going to disagree about the the science that i mean every single person worth their salt that's looking at the fires and floods right now is telling us and I'm, i'm not suggesting that there are direct links to the alberta oil sands and the fire in Kelowna, but we know that summers are hotter and drier. We know that global water levels are changing. We know based on science that. Oh, yes. No, I'm not arguing any of that. What I'm arguing is that the reason for that, the reason that climate change is occurring is because of global admissions, total global admissions, not per capita. Sure. But you don't think then that Canada should just take a back seat. You don't you don't believe that we should just wash our hands, and absolve ourselves of any responsibility, do you? Ab- absolutely not. Which is why I think that the best argument that can be made is if the problem is a global problem, then it has to be a, gl- a global solution. It can't be a Canada solution. And on top of that, I do not think that Canada, you know, freezing in the dark or or, or doing what Ontario did and absolutely destroying our electricity grid and our competitive, our global competitiveness in the process is the answer. It's not the answer. Do you have a position on Alberta sovereignty? Do you does your Canada include Alberta? I think that uh, absolutely Canada can include Alberta, but it's going to take a renegotiation of our place in confederation. Uh, we can no longer be treated as just the milk cow that uh, the East is feeding off of. We need a we need a, we need our own police force. I believe we need uh, our own pension plan. I believe that's not a position of the Alberta government. That's my position. I believe we need to be as free or more free than Quebec. 
But I do believe we can hold a position like Quebec does in Canadian Confederation. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to a lot of experts. I don't know if that's actually doable, but I know that it plays well politically. Oh, we can definitely get all of the things that Quebec has without even changing the Constitution. Yeah, We can have our own police force. We can have our own pension plan. We can control EI. We can control our own tax collection. We can, Those are not questionable. You can do those. Yeah, I'd be curious to see. The Premier talked a lot about that before the election. She didn't campaign on it. We'll see what happens next. Uh, what do you think the province should be doing? What should the provincial government be doing about this opioid crisis right now? It kills three Albertans every day. What would you do? Oh, it's horrible. Um, I, I'm not very good on this stuff. I don't actually, I'm not an expert on addiction apart from ha- having my own struggles with alcohol for a while, two years sober. But uh, I would say I know as someone who did suffer from addiction that the worst thing that could have happened to me is have more access to the thing I'm addicted to. I needed to, I needed cold turkey. I needed to, to move on. I needed to improve my life by getting away from the substance that was destroying my life. So I do believe recovery is possible. I know there's a lot of people currently in the uh, industry that don't believe uh, recovery is possible. They more believe that you just need to maintain your addiction or keep it as safe or harm reduction. I don't agree with those things. Uh, I think we should reduce harm. But I think ultimately we should be focused on recovery. All, but But more importantly than that, to be honest, we need to lock up criminals. If like some of these people are running around committing thousands of crimes a year, particularly in Vancouver, uh, we've seen Vancouver is dying, a documentary by Aaron Gunn, which I thought he did a very good job of showing what's happening. Uh, we we should we got to end the revolving door justice system. That that to me is the number one thing. People should not be able to murder a father in front of a Starbucks and get out on bail. Period. End of story. The fact that that's even happened is an affront to everything that we stand for as a law and order country do you uh speaking of bail reform do you support pierre polyev as leader of uh, the federal conservatives are you organizing for pierre polyev or will you be um pierre and i uh, have an interesting relationship Uh, i support what he's doing i support what he's saying but uh, as i've said to my group time and time again uh it doesn't actually the leader is less important than our involvement we have to be involved if we want to see the change pierre can't fix canada there's no political savior on the horizon of any kind. Uh, the only way we're going to fix the problems facing our society is if we take on the burden of responsibility and start doing it ourselves. But you are very clear about your support for Danielle Smith, and you seem to be hesitant to officially state that you support Pierre Poliev. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not a federal conservative right now. Uh, I'm kind of in between. Uh, I see a lot of problems with the federal conservative party. I helped get Aaron O'Toole elected. I was the national director of field operations, and he betrayed, I believe, the conservative movement in a very big way. So I'm kind of hesitant to to trust federal politicians right now because I think they're not concerned with the best interests of Alberta necessarily. I think they're primarily concerned with winning in the GTA, uh, the Maritimes for or in the Atlantic provinces, and even British Columbia. But I think Alberta is kind of taken for granted. And uh, my primary concern is making sure that Alberta is the freest and uh, best place on earth. So people are going to be watching this and, and they're going to be saying, well, the guy sounds pretty content uh, with the leadership in Alberta's political landscape. You know, it sounds pretty content to support Danielle Smith. Uh, he's, I don't know if you want to say got control of or endeavoring toward controlling or however you believe it, you're influencing certainly the party's governing board and 
you have influence undeniably in, in multiple constituency associations. So people will say, I don't understand the whole take back Alberta. It sounds like everything's going in the direction you want it to go. Who, who are you taking back Alberta from? Well, that, that clip that you played is the answer, and it's our own apathy. A lot of people in this province have played no role in their own governance. They haven't shown up for any kind of civic duty besides casting a ballot. And now their society doesn't look like they want it to, and they're wondering why. And the answer to that is their apathy. It's the people that come to my meetings, they understand that it's their apathy that has got us here. Now, I also answer the question of who they is. It's kind of a two-part. It's our apathy, but it's also this very clear, it's the you know diversity, equity, inclusion crowd. That those are they're masking their true intentions behind those words, and they are moving towards, I would argue, a more communist version of Canada. And I'm 100% opposed to that. I believe that freedom requires responsibility, not um, the government taking from some and giving to others. Uh, we're talking to David Parker, the founder of Take Back Alberta. If you're just joining us, live streaming audio on the Mixler audio app presented by California Closets. Uh, on our YouTube live chat, David Jenny says, I don't understand, like, where are the solutions, right? He says, get involved. But so far, all I'm hearing is more religion in schools, no sex ed in schools, and uh, women returning to focusing on kids. That ain't enough, she says. What about fires and floods, like off the top of my head? So, so why don't we ask you this? What's your vision for the future of Alberta? Well, my vision for the future of Alberta is that we would become an example to the rest of the world of what a functioning democracy looks like. And I believe that requires the participation of as many citizens as possible. I, I don't think people are showing up. I think if you look at the mayoral election in Toronto, 38% of people bothered to vote. If you look at the provincial election in Ontario, 43% of people bothered to vote. Even in our own provincial election, only 59% of people bothered to vote. I think our people are neglecting their democracy and it's crumbling. And, and maybe people think that's too easy of a solution, but I don't think I have all the solutions. I'm not a politician. I'm not running to govern. I'm encouraging people to get involved. But I think if more people show up and start suggesting solutions and we have a more grassroots approach to our democracy, that more solutions will emerge. I, I'm a big believer in the competition of ideas. And I and I, as for more religion in our schools, I do not call for that. I'm calling for less religion in our schools. Uh, I do think families, not just mothers, should focus on having children. 100%. I think that is the number one path for most people to a happy life is a good, strong family. And, uh, and I'm not going to be ashamed of that. But in terms of what do we do about the fires and floods, things like that? Well, uh, the unfortunate thing is that we have to begin to learn to adapt because China and India are not going to be reducing their admissions. But David, these, are only going, these things are only going to continue. You, you can't tell me seriously, as somebody who's volunteered and or been on a payroll politically, that you would send a political leader up to a podium to say, learn how to adapt. Like there, there's no possible way that it is even remotely politically feasible. You and I both know that. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's what political leaders can say because I do believe that uh, the climate change stuff has become a very hot topic. But my answer is honest, which is Canada cannot stop climate change. It will not be able to do anything um, numerically or mathematically significant to stop climate change, but 
we can do things to adapt. And I do believe that we should be um, investing more in infrastructure for flooding. We should have more water bombers. We should do better forest management. There's a lot of things we can do that will make these crises uh, less difficult for our people. And in the meantime, I do believe that we should be focusing more on nuclear and things like that. Nuclear has a hundred to one output on uh, what it takes, what how much you have to put into it to get that much energy out of it. Nuclear is the answer to admissions. People just don't like it. Do you have a position on the government's moratorium on wind and solar for the next half a year or so? I think it's very wise to uh, take these things cautiously. I think if you look at the oil sands tax force from the 1990s, that took years and years for approval. We've just been approving all of these uh, green energy projects without any kind of understanding of what we're looking for um, in terms of an outcome. Also, we don't have any kind of regulations or rules around uh, disposal of solar panels or of windmills. And I think that is something that as someone who cares about the environment, we should be looking at and considering. And I, I think it's great that she's uh, standing up to perhaps, you know, a large number of people who would say, no, we don't need to look at it at all. We There's a lot of people making a lot of money. And I think we need to make sure that uh, our environment is taken care of from a disposal perspective, as well as an emissions perspective. It it's was not just about emissions. It, it was pretty interesting to see your group mentioned several times leading up to the provincial election uh, back in May, uh, in particular, uh, when a couple of former cabinet ministers, uh, I'm talking about Doug Griffiths and Thomas Lukasik, publicly endorsed the NDP. But why do you think that your group is drawing so much fire within, or let me say, amongst Alberta conservatives? Well, I think that the PC establishment isn't used to having a challenger in, internally. I think they, they got control of their party uh, when it was the PC party, and then after... Jason Kenney came in, they got control of the United Conservative Party, and now they have people with different perspectives that are organizing better than they are, and it, it troubles them. In the case of Lukasik, I never think, I've never thought of him as a conservative. He's a left-wing progressive, and I think he's right where he belongs now. I don't know Doug, so I can't really comment on him. You've been very critical of mainstream media. Do you feel that you are unfairly portrayed, and is there anything that you'd like to set the record straight on? Well, I think I, I did a pretty good job of setting the record straight on the only thing that I think they've really twisted, which is my perspective on women. But I mean, that's our social media age, right? You know, demonize your opponent, uh, make them into something they're not. And then once you've done that, you can characterize them and, and start your propaganda machine. But I don't I don't really feel the need to uh, justify myself to the mainstream media. I, I don't see them as legitimate anymore. I think they're a propaganda arm of, of the state. How so? Well, I think that when you get all your money from one place primarily, and that's the mainstream media I'm talking about, which is the government, you are captured, right? Your incentive structure is destroyed. Are you the talking about the CBC be, in particular? I would say all, all of them, like these bailouts, like they, they are not, they can't make money anymore. They're, they're dead institution. People aren't watching them. People don't care about what they're producing. Uh, the example I use is CNN at its peak uh, prime time usually gets about 750,000. Fox, when Tucker was on it, would get 4.5 million. And Joe Rogan gets 40 million downloads per episode, generally speaking. 
the the mainstream media is dead. They just need to be on life support from subsidies from the government in order to continue to exist. But the future of the media is in uh, people who are producing content that people actually want to see. And yourself, I would include in that. People like your show. My brother-in-law was telling me that he was very excited that uh, to hear that I was coming on the show because he listens to you every morning. Well, tell your brother-in-law I appreciate that. And, and, and David, well, I'm sure that our opinions uh, would differ on a whole bunch of things. Uh, I appreciate your availability uh, in joining us here on the show. I should let people know. I mean, th- this all started with you reaching out to us. I asked a public question and, and, and had a monologue on the show ahead of the provincial election about Take Back Alberta, the name and where it came from. I invited people. I implored people to ask the question, from what or from whom? Um, and some fans of the show may remember that you reached out directly and said, well, why don't you have me on and ask me that question? And so here we are. So thanks no, for I doing thank this. You for David. having me. And I, I really do appreciate uh, you doing what I believe is the role of journalists, which is to, to have people share uh, their perspectives and get down to the truth of the matter. So thank you for uh, for doing that. That's David Parker, the founder and leader of Take Back Alberta here on Real Talk. You can let us know what you thought about that interview by using our hashtag RealTalkRJ. Uh, you'll find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And, of course, you can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Uh, curious to get Charles Adler's take on that conversation in just a second. Wanted to let you know support for this episode of Real Talk comes from partners like our friends at Friesen Brothers, who are inviting you this summer to check out their new salad dressings. Uh, These are created by them, especially for you. You can check out the sesame citrus dressing, sun-dried tomato, classic Caesar, and avocado lime. And don't forget, while you're in one of their 16 Alberta locations, to check out their old-fashioned peach pies. It's the latest masterpiece, a seasonal twist from their mother dough bread company, Baker's Handcrafted Peach Pies. Baked fresh daily using 100% real peaches, nothing from the can, and 100% Alberta flour. You can find more information online at freezen.com slash pies. If you're a professional engineer anywhere in Canada, or even if this interview found you somewhere outside of Canada, but you got your PNG, or maybe you're about to graduate from an engineering school, the team at Apex Automation wants to hear from you. They're perpetually hiring. This is one of the fastest growing automation firms in Canada and for good reason, doing work across the Western provinces, even down in Texas. You can check out the careers link on their website, apexautomation.ca. They're looking for people that want to squeeze as much potential as they can. They want to reach exactly where they know they can go, not just with their career, but also in the teamwork that they're participating in. So if you're an expert in electrical engineering, instrumentation, computer science, process engineering, mechanical engineering, you name it, Apex Automation wants to hear from you today. And if maybe you're not quite there with your PNG, maybe it's a career you're thinking about as you're making a decision about your own post-secondary education, You've got to consider Athabasca University. You know, tens of thousands of Canadian students do every year because they're world-class accredited online programs and courses offer the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. You can check out how AU works by visiting AthabascaU.ca. The admissions process is simple. AU is giving you control over your life thanks to flexibility and openness. Again, that website is athabascau.ca. 
And we're putting out the call to decision makers in Alberta and Saskatchewan today. If you work and make decisions for a, a small company, maybe a ma and pa retail location, a restaurant, or maybe a big business like West Edmonton Mall, maybe you're working for a municipality where there's scrutiny around your bottom line. Every dollar saved is a point scored. You know what I'm talking about. When it comes to garbage and recycling, when it comes to things like portable toilets, fencing, water hauling, you're going to want to keep it local with local environmental services. They promise better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. You can see how they can help today by checking out localenvironmental.ca. Don't forget, every Friday, or at least the last show of every week, Local presents Trash Talk, your chance to blow off a little steam with an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. It's our tradition, weekly, the first show of every week. Emmy Award-winning talk radio legend Charles Adler joins us. It's good to see your face today, my man. Hope you had a good weekend. If, if, if you're anything like me, you've had your heart in your throat watching what's been going down in Kelowna and everywhere near Yellowknife as well. Oh, An absolute awesome. mess out there. That is uh, that is absolutely scary, um, and it is uh, a little bit scary uh, to listen to the show this morning. I realize that uh, Parker's tone is uh, is moderate. Uh, this is not a moderate. Uh, this is a radical. And if I were Danielle Smith, uh, I'd be paranoid. Uh, this this guy was um, a, a, a good friend of uh, Jason Kenny's. Clearly, an organizer for him. Uh, then he accused uh, Kenny of what. Uh, arresting pastors uh, and uh, then he uh, said that he was uh, for the the blockade at uh, at coots uh, that's illegal talking law and order on the one hand uh, the other hand uh, trying to justify something that is absolutely uh, illegal uh, the business about Aaron O'Toole betraying uh, conservatism or betraying the country uh, not being uh, certain whether he wants Alberta uh, to uh, to stay in Canada and making all sorts of uh, demands about uh, pensions and police, etc. Uh, he says he's not a politician, but he definitely uh, strikes me as a puppet master, a very scary person, and uh, I congratulate him on on being moderate in tone. But moderate in tone uh, doesn't tell us anything the substance of what he's saying and what he's not saying uh, certainly does Uh, this is the puppet master this guy is telling you very clearly that he wants to control every single school board in alberta well he wants to control every single school board for reason he wants them to teach things they're not teaching right now Uh, on the business of prayer uh, he wants to restore prayer in the classroom and uh, one of the insidious things he's saying right now is that religion is in the classroom right now because he's calling uh, so-called woke ideology religion. Uh, Parker's a dangerous man. I'll say he came across as, like, softer than I expected. I mean, you see him speak at rallies, and you see him speak, you know, essentially preach uh, as a style of speaking, and, and, and it's a lot less mellow than he was today, to be sure. This, Ryan, let, let's just be brutally honest here. If he was adopting this tone all the time, there would be no take back Alberta. Certainly he wouldn't be the leader of it. The people at the rallies don't get jacked up by this stuff. People at the rallies are you know, watching him today going, what happened to our David? And I guess they're rationalizing as, as, well, this is the disguise. This is Halloween for him. This is the costume he has to put on. But if this is the way he 
was to speak at rallies, there would be no rallies. What did that interview tell you about the future of Alberta? I mean, like said it to him multiple times and it's, it's undeniable. I mean, you talk to anybody, you talk to any member of the United Conservative Party that's paying attention, take back Alberta controls that board. Um, and I think it's fair to say, I mean, you're using the word puppet master. He kind of downplays his, his relationship with Danielle Smith and she has certainly downplayed it, including on this show. She says they're a party, like one member, one vote sort of tries to spin it. Like, you know, he's just like everybody else. But, but did you have a, a different opinion on what the future of the United Conservative Party, the Alberta government well, might look like after this conversation today? You know, facts matter. And uh, do you think as an Albertan, do you think that this moratorium on alternate energy would be in place right now if it weren't for Parker and Take Back Alberta and other groups that are similar to Take Back Alberta? I mean, do you, do you honestly think that the moratorium has nothing to do with the puppet master? I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's why I asked him about it. I'm not I'm not sure that I know enough to give David Parker credit or take back Alberta credit for the wind and solar moratorium. We're going to be talking to Paul McLaughlin tomorrow. He's the president of the rural municipalities of Alberta. Um, and, and I know that the rural municipalities have been flexing their muscles and exerting their influence and in, in trying to get this in place. And we're going to ask him about that tomorrow. Obviously, there's no doubt that some piper is getting paid uh, with the moratorium. I'm just not sure I would credit take back Alberta on that one. Ryan, you know, I'm a, I'm a big picture person. Uh, he, he thinks of everything that we're doing with respect to climate change as part of woke ideology. Mm -hmm. So he thinks alternate energy is also part of woke ideology. I'm sorry, as someone who speaks to real scientists, real engineers, real geologists, the idea that Alberta should pause for even a moment, moratorium, they ought to accelerate. They ought to speed things up. Alberta ought to be leading the world in alternate energy. And so alternate energy isn't woke ideology. Anyone who says it is, and I'll use the word, I don't worry about being moderate about these things, okay? I love this country. I love Alberta. I love opportunity. I love the opportunity of being the capital of alternate energy in the world. And so anyone who calls that woke ideology is crazy, is batshit crazy. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the, the, the whole idea around... Um... I mean, just the, the timing right now, it's been really weird. I'm not sure if you saw the tweet uh, from Tracy Gray. She's an, she's an MP uh, representing Kelowna, and, and uh, she, uh, over the weekend, was tweeting about um, basically, like, climate, the carbon tax. You know, she was talking about how, how basically, you know, Pierre Polyev is going to fight against the carbon tax. We need to rally against the carbon tax. Uh, it, it, was, it was like this, just this almost mind-boggling irony that the conservative party, the federal party was uh, tweeting over the weekend that they had to change the location. They had to reschedule their fight the carbon tax rally because of the wildfires, uh, which just blew my mind. And, and it's just I, I, at this point in time, as, as hundreds of millions of dollars of damage is, is currently being done, people are losing their lives. Uh, people are losing their livelihoods. They're losing their homes uh, and businesses in Kelowna right now. People, thousands of people are fleeing, uh, trying to find temporary accommodations, evacuated from the city. Um, and, and we have the leader of Canada's conservatives supported by the member of parliament for that area um, fighting against climate action while the fires are burning. Uh, to me, I think we've got a bigger problem than David Parker's perspective on Canada's role in, you know, cutting global emissions. I think that this is like 
uh, people planting their flags uh, at a time where you would expect that everybody could be on the same page. But no, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it all weekend, to be honest with you. Well, the biggest joke to me is Parker talking about education. I mean, here's some education. Here's some schooling, okay, from Uncle Chuck. We need to be, Alberta needs to be the capital of alternative energy. And Canada, and of course, Alberta is a big, big part of Canada, especially when it comes to climate change, precisely because of the sands and precisely because of emissions. Canada has to be a leader, not a follower, when it comes to cutting emissions. And once again, education. We have the best people in the world equipped all right, to create the technology, some of which has already been created, but to create more technology and to be, once again, the capital, the industrial capital for technology that reduces emissions in Canada, in China, in Japan, in India, in the United States, and around the world. So, I mean, I, I want Alberta, I want Canada to be part of the future, not bemoaning the past. And also, I mean, I could get into all this stuff about, uh, you know, the women shouldn't make... Uh, sacrifices uh you know putting off the having a family and stuff i mean what you know i i just don't understand how any of this stuff uh, can appeal to educated people I mean, once again we need to worry about the future and when you're looking at what's happening in Kelowna, when you look at the okanagan burning down and the member of parliament conservative member of parliament from that area prattling on about the old talking points I mean, no wonder the conservatives, you know, canceled that particular meeting. They don't want to be called what I just called Parker, because for them to have that meeting and to once again e emit those talking points gets people in Kelowna to call them crazy. And that, that's what this fight is all about. You know, people can bash uh, Justin Trudeau all day long. I don't want crazies in charge. I don't want crazies in charge in Alberta putting the thumb on alternate energy and putting the thumb on, on, on leading the world and in, in global emissions, and I don't want the people in charge in Ottawa who are crazy and are, who are only focused on, you know, rallying angry people in, in, in church basements. So do you, I mean, what, you know, what has to happen? Like, does it have to get to a point where, uh, you know, I mean, you know, if you're if you're Rachel Notley in the NDP right now, if you're if you're a citizen of Alberta that opposes, you know, let's say, for example, the government's position on wind and solar. And, and, and I intentionally say a citizen of Alberta. I'm not talking about if you're an NDP supporter. I'm not talking about yeah. if you're a supporter from right. from another fledgling party. I, you, yeah. you could very well be someone who had voted. Uh, you could have volunteered for you could have campaigned for and donated to the United Conservative Party. I guarantee you a significant portion of conservative party united conservative party members do not support this wind and solar moratorium what you just got to wait it out now there's not a provincial election coming anytime soon you have to just wait till it gets bad enough that people wake but, up but ryan they can't but they can't speak out against it if they speak out against it the take back alberta militia goes after them i mean every single member of the conservative party understands this that if you're a an mla whether you're in cabinet or not, whether you're the premier or not, you've got to worry about David Parker's attitudes about everything. And so you're not likely to speak out on something that he's going to come down on you for. I mean, he, you know, he, he couldn't have been more clear about wanting uh, to do more about nominations. And essentially what he's saying is he doesn't want anyone nominated for the United Conservative Party unless the grassroots, meaning take back Alberta, meaning him, approve. I mean, it's just not, you know, it's not a coincidence that the guy loves Napoleon. He is Napoleon. 
do you see a difference like th- through your talk radio career? Um, and obviously you've worked in the United States and in Canada for many years in Canada with a national show with a big following. Have you seen anything like Take Back Alberta before? Like, did, is, this, is this like, you know, things yeah, that were I happening have. with grassroots conservatism before, for yes, example? The, I have. I, okay. I saw the religious right. I saw Pat Robertson and the religious right in the United States absolutely take over the Republican Party. That People like Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell were quite open about that. They wanted to make the Republican Party a Christian conservative party, and they have done that. And the reason Donald Trump became president and still has a chance of becoming president again, I want to put all the, the criminal stuff aside, and I ordinarily wouldn't say that, but this is a different uh, conversation. The reason Donald Trump had a chance and won the first time, had a very good chance to win the second time, the only reason Donald Trump has a solid chance of still being the Republican nominee is because Donald Trump knows how to do business with Christian conservatives, and that's what the Republican Party is. And if you don't want to be a Christian conservative in the Republican Party, you end up leaving the Republican Party or they leave you. Lauren's watching us right now. He says, I don't remember Charles being this serious before it tells you something. Are you approaching this interview with us a little bit differently than past? Yeah, it does, because it does, because I'm glad that you did the interview with Parker. You know, I've seen clips of them, but I have not seen uh, serious clips of of David Parker, you know, justifying, um, you know, what he's been doing over the years as as a puppet master. You know, when a guy says to you, I'm not a puppet master, (laughs) that, you know. Just think Donald Trump. When Donald Trump says, I would never lie to you, okay? So when, when I when I saw this, if, if uh, some of your listeners and viewers are picking up on that, uh, yeah, I got frightened. I'm not wimpy frightened. I'm not like frightened. Oh, my God, it, it's over. It's Armageddon. No, that, I'm not, no. But he said enough there. He said enough today on your show uh, to scare the bejesus out of me. So can you see, like you, you describe the Republican Party in the States under the influence of Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson and other prominent right-wing evangelicals. You think that that's politically viable in Alberta? Can you see that the United conservative party taking that direction under the influence of take back Alberta? If so, what do you think that the future of the party might look like? Well, the, the, the slogans will be different. Uh, but you know, essentially the, the, the agenda is absolutely the same. I mean, you talk about uh, what David Parker is trying to do with the, uh, school boards and, and and getting his kind of school trustees elected. That's exactly what the evangelical conservatives have been doing in in the states for a number of years. And uh, you know, you start with the school boards, then you you go on from there. Uh, they know what they're doing. It's not like it's not as if David Parker doesn't uh, read or talk to uh, American right wingers to see what's uh, working for them there. And it's exactly uh, what he's doing. And so, in terms of where the UCP uh, goes from here, as Alberta becomes becomes more diverse, as Alberta becomes more modern, as Alberta gets more into the future. Uh, I imagine uh, there is only one opposition party in Alberta, and that's the NDP. Uh, the NDP party uh, will become a little smarter, and the NDP will entrench itself more into Alberta society, including places like Calgary, the southeastern uh, quadrant of, of Calgary, and and have a better chance the next time. I mean, I talked to Ken Bosenkul, one of the, you know, the smartest conservatives, Canadian conservatives I have ever known. And while Bosenkul congratulated Danielle Smith on her performance in the debate, you know, he reminded uh, my listeners, he reminded Canadians that the a, a united Conservative Party has never done as poorly as it did right now. So time is always the unknown. We don't know whether four years from now, uh, Danielle Smith will be able to pull off what she just did. 
but she got in just by the, you know, by, by the, by the skin of her teeth. And so I think if the NDP had launched a, uh, if, if the NDP had run a much smarter campaign, I anticipate they, they would run a, a smarter one the next time, uh, not worrying about uh, talking to their ideological base about corporate tax cuts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just as, as, as one, uh, for instance, I imagine the NDP will have a stronger chance the next time. It, certainly if the UCP is going to the right, which arguably they are, uh, if they're moving farther away from the center, in my opinion, they're moving farther away from viability. I still have my fingers crossed. I know this feels like a pipe dream. I still have my fingers crossed that a, a, a balanced, business-oriented, small-C conservative, read that as Peter Lougheed and other small-C conservatives, read that as Ken Bosenkul. I would not. I would. I would love to have a, a Ken Bosenkul style conservative party in Alberta. Then I wouldn't have to worry about uh, Rachel Notley and the NDPers getting their act together. People may remember Ken Bosenkul as one of the original signatories to the so-called firewall letter uh, that was also signed by you know. Tom Flanagan, Stephen Harper, and many others like 20 years ago or more, maybe. Um, I, I, I'm curious, I, like, for example, you know, one of the things that I think over time uh, will tell a tale is, and I know we're talking a lot about this wind and solar moratorium, but it's, it's, it's big news and it's actually still blows my mind. And it's unusual that a story, you know, two weeks after it happens still blows my mind. I heard from a real talker um, who's a member of IUOE Local 955, um, and they've reached out. They actually met with the premier, with Danielle Smith, uh, last week. Um, I asked him how it went. Uh, in the, they're concerned about their jobs, obviously, many of them working in renewables. Uh, I said, how did the meeting go? He said it was fine. We didn't get any more answers or rationale on the moratorium. There was some regret expressed over the fact that this decision will affect people's jobs. It seemed to us that that may have been overlooked for some odd reason. Uh, it's 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 the most pathetic thing. I mean, the, you know, right now in this country, the, the, the most hideous thing that we're looking at and the most frightening thing is, is is the fires in the Okanagan and the people who are rationalizing or trying to rationalize action against uh, climate change. OK, that is that is frightening enough. Our Parker stuff is frightening enough. But for the premier of Alberta, for Danielle Smith to be as cold and as arrogant about energy jobs, and that's what they are. Whether you want to call it alternate energy or fossil energy, I don't care. Energy jobs are energy jobs. For the Premier of Alberta to be that arrogant about people in the energy industry in Alberta losing their jobs, it's amazing to me. I mean, I just can't imagine what would have happened if Danielle Smith had retained her position as leader of the UCP party after UCP defeat. I cannot imagine what would have happened if Rachel Notley had behaved that way. Can you imagine what Danielle Smith in opposition would be saying about the Premier of Alberta, Rachel Notley, being arrogant about energy people losing work. I still can't believe I saw what I saw. Uh, Mark Doran's in our live chat today. He was with me in studio last week talking about wind and solar and oil and gas. And I mean, just a, Mark's got just a wealth of experience over the course of his career. Uh, he says, you know, David Parker identified the key factor, apathy. Uh, Mark says that we don't care or don't mind or don't push back against that uh, with which we disagree, a system one is against will prevail. Uh, meantime, Ken says, you know, the big problem we have is that social media has, has made it very unattractive to run for political office. If, if you focus on, you know, rationale or uh, rational, uh, pragmatic governance, boring old effective governance. Uh, Ken says, who wants social media after their family? I wonder yeah, if... I mean, social media, he's absolutely right. Uh, Parker and his 
the Take Back Alberta people will absolutely ratio you on social media, and they likely have. I'm positive there are people right now uh, who, who feel there's no point in speaking out against Parker because they're going to get nailed on social media. And there you've got Elon Musk, who 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 is being praised by Parker. You got Elon Musk saying he wants to he wants to cut out the block feature on Twitter. Can you imagine what your life would be like, uh, Ryan Jesperson? Can you imagine what the lives of your women listeners slash viewers would be like if blocking was taken away from them on their Twitter? Can you imagine what kinds of messages they would be forced to endure 24-7? Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess I don't worry. About, yeah, like you just said, I mean, guys like you and me, we get our fair share. I don't know about, I checked a while ago to see, someone asked me how many people I have blocked. Turns out you can actually find out the number of like 800 people blocked. Um, I should probably have three times that number. But yeah, I don't worry about myself so much as I'd be concerned for people that legitimately face more acute, abusive, sustained, poisonous, toxic attacks. Um, I think that's nuts. But I but I did want to sort of bring that question around to ask you. I mean, Parker, he's he's got his playbook out. He says this is what we're going to do. He says we're my yep. he says my priority is school boards. Uh, they have made significant inroads with the UCP. You know, the party board. Um, they're controlling many constituency associations, and whether you want to call it a hostile takeover or not, it's uh, as far as we can tell. I haven't seen any allegations that it hasn't been democratic, that it hasn't been legal. Uh, can you see, uh, you know, the the quiet majority organizing, like counter organizing no, against no, Parker? That, 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 uh, Brian, that's that's the whole problem here. You know, I mean, this is just physical law, nature of horrors of vacuum. Parker understands that better than ninety nine point nine percent of humanity. He moves into the vacuum. How many people do you know who say they want to run for school board trustee? Almost nobody. But Parker understands where the, that's where the power is. Jenny says, you know, it's more like, to me, a lack of coverage or investment in real people that run in politics. She says, we're not crazy enough and we know too much to be given time. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. People have their own opinions on that. I, I, I just, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think it's important. We, we got a lot of blowback uh, over the weekend, which I don't give a rip about, to be quite honest, uh, about having a conversation with Parker, about welcoming to the show. I'll never yeah. apologize for that. Uh, I think no, it's important no. to understand no, what I'm makes glad, people tick. I'm glad, I'm glad you I understand why, why people don't want him to have more exposure, but he needs to have more exposure because people need to see what it is that they're up against. And if, if moderates look at David Parker and go, oh, he's just a moderate guy, there's no problem here, this is much ado about nothing, that's fine. But I want them to get a chance to look at it. I saw what I saw, and I saw Napoleon. Charles Adler joins us every Monday. You can check out his podcast, The Charles Adler Show, uh, including an awesome three-minute feature that he does on the top news stories of the day. It's always great to see your face, Chuck. Really appreciate your analysis of this and the passion that you bring here every single week. Thank you, Ryan, for having me on, but thank you so much for having Parker on. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Nobody in Alberta can touch you. Thank you. Appreciate that, Chuck. This episode is supported by Real Talk partners like our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. I want to talk to you about their Backyard Bacon Ranch signature stack burger today i know that i've been doing a lot of talking about blizzards mostly because miracle treat day was going down just over a week ago on august 10th and thanks to real talkers like you these five dairy queens raised one hundred and fifty 
$2,000 for the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. But if you're hungry for a next-level burger experience, you're going to want to check out their Backyard Bacon Ranch signature stack burger. Say bye-bye to burger boredom. Treat your taste buds to an elevated experience. We're talking seasoned real beef patties, ranch dressing, honey barbecue sauce, crispy golden onion rings, applewood smoked bacon, and two slices of perfectly melted white cheddar cheese on a soft and toasted bun. You can pick those up at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. We're getting closer to completion. Our Backyard reinvention. If you've been following me at Ryan Jesperson or my wife at Carrie Skelton on Instagram, you may have been uh, watching our stories over the past while. Exciting stuff as our outdoor space is brought to life. Once it's all done, we're going to show it off to you, the before and afters. But right now, I want to talk to you about the design experience when you're working with Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping. The design, I mean, it may be an obvious thing to say, but it's critical to the overall process. Now, whatever your vision is, they'll execute it with precise attention to detail. They complete full service landscaping from excavation through to the finished product. And we've seen it in real time. Adjustments made on the fly, problem solving. That's a huge part of any project. And if you don't feel like you're trusting your project to somebody that's capable there, that's experienced there, this can be a stressful endeavor. That has not been the case with us. I encourage you, even if like us a couple of years ago, you've still got some runway before you actually break ground, you're going to want to visit landscapeedmonton.ca today to get the conversation started. Get that design process started. So when you're in the right position, when your budget's ready to go, you can break ground with a company that's got more than 20 years of experience of satisfied and return customers. You'll find Eden Landscaping online at landscapeedmonton.ca. If your building project is a little bit less about transforming your yard and a little bit more about getting your basement back after a flood or maybe getting your home or business back after a fire, the team at Complete Care Restoration wants to talk to you. They say that they hope that they never hear from any real talkers. In other words, they hope that everyone is spared from natural disaster, but sometimes it finds us. Don't we know that right now? If that is the case with you, in particular, you're in Alberta, you're going to want to visit completecarerestoration.ca or give them a call at 780-454-0776. They're the ones that built our studio. We've seen them operate. We've witnessed the professionalism and the attention to detail. And that's why we give Complete Care Restoration two thumbs up. It's kind of a a fast-moving Monday show. You and I haven't even really checked in, but I know that there was something. Hey, good morning. (laughs) Good morning, John. (laughs) Something that you and I both saw over the weekend, along with the rest of the world, uh, a certain rock star quenching his thirst. Oh, Kid Rock. made us both chuckle. Yeah. Speaking of contradicting yourself, that's the theme today. (laughs) Here's Kid Rock. Uh, Enjoying a Bud Light at a festival in Nashville over... uh, I think it was Thursday evening or maybe Friday evening this came in late. Somebody actually sent it to me. A lot of people saying this this might be photoshopped and blah blah blah. It's it's been conclusively uh shown that with video 
that he is drinking a Bud Light after after everything he said, Ryan, after shooting up a case with an AR-15, after asking, basically leading the charge, I would say, in in terms of celebrities, he was the front runner, the guy with the, the, the pitchfork, the guy with the... The burning, uh, the, what do they call them? What are the tiki torch? <laughs> he was the one running at the front, screaming, "Nobody drink Bud Light!" And uh, the guy just had a Bud Light. Also, yeah. heard some people on uh, Twitter. I'll never call it X. Uh, <laughs> talking about uh, uh, not only is this photoshopped. Uh, come on, you think that that he would he would have a Bud Light? Maybe uh, maybe it's uh, just because that that was the only thing. If it's not photoshopped that they had in the VIP area. And yeah. I, I, I replied to one of them. I said, if you think a VIP area at a country music festival of all <laughs> places isn't stocked to the fucking brim with every type of whiskey, vodka, uh, you know, mixed drink, and and at least five different types of beers, you're absolutely insane. So, I always, I love like, when you see stories like this. I think another one, like to make a more local example, you remember when, uh, I mean, this was a real, problem during the pandemic for for the kenny government mm-hmm. uh, you know with, with him and and at that time finance minister taves and and health minister shandro and others gathered you remember yeah, that the of course the sky palace patio shot yeah with like pellegrino and jameson's whiskey on the table and 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 it's never really come out who got that photo right who had the telephoto lens and who got it there yeah but but i would i think as well in the context of this somebody getting kid rock enjoying a cold bud light you think what's it like to be the photographer when you click an image and you go right oh boy (laughs) this one's gonna explode yeah in terms of what you were just talking about i don't know because maybe you want maybe you want the payday and maybe part of the payday is being you know the guy who doesn't come out and try and take all the glory for a picture because you want the next one right and you want to be able to sell it and you want to be discreet as well i think that's what happened for sure that kenny photo and for sure this photo of kid rock somebody sold this to tmz yeah oh for yeah. sure oh, and yeah. got a big payday for I'd this i'd be curious so. to know what they pay for a photo like that i'd be curious 100 to, grand <laughs> 50 for sure i think i'm I, I would like the photographers to chime in before during or after this episode yeah if they're watching today on youtube or wherever and just tell us like maybe we're out to lunch on a hundred grand but i think it's got to be for a celeb i don't know but like you're talking about with kenny for a politician yeah i I would think that's a big payday as well doobie is on the live chat says it's almost like kid rock was a plant and this has all (laughs) been a big bud light promo campaign or maybe he's just a fucking flake i don't maybe th- he doesn't stand by anything he says maybe he's like a lot of other celebrities who don't have a lot of brain cells he's doing it for clout he's doing it for money he's doing it for likes yeah he's doing it to stay relevant because he is older and you know his music was i mean it was garbage back then but it's it's gone now you know what i mean i mean well, he's got sometimes they're just though. vapid I mean, it wasn't, people. It wasn't a small thing when he did what he did. No, um, I, I I don't know if Doobie is is joking. Maybe maybe Doobie is is kidding. Uh, but I can't imagine if you look at at the the uh, the activity like with regards to market share and and sort of how that uh, Dylan Mulvaney was is the uh, influencer that 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 the partnership proved to be so controversial around. Um, uh, transgender social media personality and and it was really like relatively speaking a really small partnership Mm -hmm. it was like if i understand correctly it was like it was like the marking the one-year anniversary of 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 of, you know the the, sort of the the personal journey yeah dylan mulvaney had experienced and 
Um, it wasn't like her face it, on just, the can or anything. It just it became was just this tip of the hat. huge thing yeah. where whether we were talking to local and I had conversations. I don't, I don't know if they feel like being being mentioned in particular. So, but like with, for example, like liquor store owners with bar owners mm-hmm. and and even at a local level, like in Canadian cities. Uh, people were starting to ask, like in in local bars and restaurants, do you have Bud Light? Do you carry Bud Light? Will mm-hmm. you still carry Bud Light? And people on both sides of of the, of that, I don't know if you want to call it a debate. I don't know if it's, I don't know what the debate was about. Mm-hmm. But on both sides of the issue, people that either wanted to see uh, liquor stores pull Bud Light off the shelves, or people that wanted to see them keep it there. Uh, Garth Brooks obviously famously said that with that uh, bar that he was opening up, uh, I think he's in Nashville. Um, saying like we're still going to keep Bud Light on our taps. I yeah. saw somebody in our He's chat saying, "I guess guy. <laughs> Kid Rock will go see." Well, and Bud Light has been the the best selling beer in the U.S. for it's years. Still, and it years. drops to like number two. Well, like, they say what? they lost about ten percent of market share over this campaign, it's, which uh, is a huge deal. I mean, you're talking billions of dollars. Yeah, of oh, of course. I'm not saying that at the time it wasn't a big problem, but it's blowing over now. I told you I went to a wedding. Yeah, two amazing women got married this summer. They only had Bud Light. It was absolute. I was like, wow. They're like, yeah, we're only drinking Bud Light today. We're trying to, you know, fill with their stocks back up. I was like, this is awesome. So there's people on both sides, but in a year, no one will care. And you know what? Kid Rock doesn't even fucking care Kid Rock anymore. may have never actually cared. He may have just known that this was it's, a video that vapid. could get it's millions horrible. of views. Yeah. You know, the organizers of that wedding probably saving a few bucks as well, staying away from the craft beer, you know, right? going, going with the big brand <laughs> Bud Light. Every uh, Monday or the first episode of every single week, our friends at QB Renewable Energy give, give us a chance to, like, basically step outside of the news cycle or at least take a break from the headlines, the important ones, the real life stuff, but that can get a little heavy, right? We focus on the positives. We focus on the feel-good stories. It's a weekly tradition that we call positive reflections and we want to tell you about a gentleman by the name of mark fearman uh, who completed something absolutely remarkable just a short time ago after 268 days in his kayak can you wrap your mind around this story the 65 year old has completed his epic reverse the bad expedition he becomes the first person to solo kayak the greater loop across canada and the United States. It's a journey of 11,000 kilometers, which required Mark to paddle for almost 1,700 hours. That's the equivalent of paddling 68 days straight without stopping. Can you imagine? Uh, So he's actually born and raised in Canada, but he lives in Oslo, Norway. He set out from Halifax last year, June 2nd, last year, uh, with an aim of raising a lot of money. He wanted to raise funds for Doctors Without Borders and Captains Without Borders, says he wanted to push a message of positivity for our troubled times. Now he says, listen, it's been a hell of a trip. He says there was a lot of discomfort and pain. Uh, This guy also has completed charity kayak trips from Oslo to Greece. Uh, he said that the the first leg of the or rather the last leg of the journey was the toughest. Johnny, he had to navigate through twenty three days of continuous fog. Jeez. Can you imagine like trying to it's navigate and movie. also and it, it would feel like a horror movie <laughs> just paddling into the abyss. He said that there were extreme tides and currents in the Bay of Fundy, and and he was encountering rocky, treacherous coastline, so he couldn't even find anywhere to pitch his tent. Uh, had to drag his kayak up three or four meters of rock inclines. 
He was sleeping on moored lobster vessels, like he was kind of squatting on boats while he could. <laughs> Who can blame him? He says, a lot of ferries and fishing boats to avoid. He says, but we're celebrating the fact that I survived. Now, he's raised about, and, and this this was where I wanted to put this out to folks, 6800 bucks. That's it? Yeah, I was sort of hoping it would be like $68 million. Got to get those numbers up. But we're going to put his GoFundMe. It's Paddle for Life. If you just Google GoFundMe Paddle for Life, but we'll put it in our show notes. If, if, if you feel compelled to support this guy, uh, we see people are still donating. His goal was $10,000. He's at $6,800. we would love to see this bumped up. The charities are certainly worthy, including, as mentioned, Doctors Without Borders. But a big shout out to this guy who has gone absolutely above and beyond 200, almost 270 days in a kayak. It made us smile, and it kind of made me feel, Johnny, to be quite frank, a little bit lazy. I'm just wondering where we went to the bathroom. I know I shouldn't be, but I, that's all I could think about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of problems solving when you're all by yourself on a kayak. The positive side is there's nobody there to judge you. Yeah. If something happened in your personal life, or maybe you've seen a story uh, that's falling outside of the regular news that you think that Real Talkers would get a kick out of, send us an email with the subject line Positive Reflections or tag us on social media. We'd love to see it. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk to Paul McLaughlin. He's the president of Rural Municipalities of Alberta. They wanted that wind and solar moratorium. We'll find out why. And coming up on Wednesday, she's just back. Well, not yet, actually, but by Wednesday, she will be from the FIFA Women's World Cup. Shout out to Spain. Uh, TSN reporter Claire Hanna is going to talk to us about her journey as a woman in broadcasting. Turns out she thinks that it does matter after all. Make it a great Monday, friends. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General Manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.